that subject. Um, we're still talking about that subject, but we're going to focus on God today, and we're going to look at some things pertaining to him. I want to just give you an overview real quick of what the Scribal Conservatory is all about. Um, we're going to start back doing that because sometimes, you know, I just believe that we need to hear it so that we will know what we're conserving, that we will know what our purpose is and why God has called us. If you don't know, one of the reasons why, when you're when you're a leader in ministry, I got a lot of prophecies over the years about being the pastor of a church, first lady. I mean, ever since I remember being called and I never felt that those things fit, but I didn't understand it until much later in life. And what has happened is that, that God knows how to position people in the earth, you know, that can help other people in the midst of their transition. And I believe sometimes that the ministry the Lord has given us catches those people that are um, looking for um, a next level of spiritual understanding. They have questions that have gone unanswered in their faith. And sometimes because we are... Um, in you know ministry we don't often know what it is that we need to hear until we hear it and i believe when we hear it we begin to follow the frequency or follow the sound of that and i know for sure that many of you that are here um feel like you probably always should have been you're, i believe how can i say this this is what i teach you guys that i believe we're drawn to what is already inside us and that needs to be um, opened up and awakened. I believe we were always supposed to be here together on this day, but it just took this journey um, to bring us here. And the Scrabble Conservatory is, is our difference. We're not different from everybody else in that sense of the word, but we're different because we understand the unique calling of the scribe and the creative. We don't minimize it. We understand its importance within our faith is not, oh, this is the writer, <laughs> you know, oh, this is the musician, or this is, we are who we are, and we embrace that, and bring that into everything that we teach, because if there's one thing creatives have done, it's exit the congregation when we feel like we're not being understood, and we find ourselves standing alone on the side of the road, thinking we can make it by ourselves, when that is not God's design community, the local covenant, the local church, the local covenant, the local church is his idea. And so I believe God positioned us to be able to say, okay, we believe in you. We believe what God has called you to. We're going to help you dig that out. But you also need a local place to be planted, a place to stand, a place to grow, a place to develop doctrine. And we also, um, just want to push the fact that we have the right to question, the right to dig out, the right to find new ground. I mean, we're supposed to study the word and unfold it, but we also understand that there are immovable doctrines. There are immovable things that cannot be um, shifted from the foundation. So you all have to know what those things are. You know, there are things that we believe in the faith that no one can turn our face from. And once you are in that place and you know what those things are, then and only then can you begin to dig out deeper treasure 
and you won't be moved because listen, we're sealed in Holy Spirit, right? We are sealed and we want to remain under that seal. So a conservatory is a college or university of study and a conservator is a guardian or protector of a specific body of knowledge or work. In our case, we don't protect the conservatory as an organization. We protect the four pillars that God has given us. And we believe that the first pillar is transforming nations. Romans 12 and two, it simply says, and do not be conformed to this world any longer with the superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed, progressively changed, progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourself what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. The second thing we protect is reinforcing covenant. And I love this. When we do this in every message, all of these pillars come forth in everything we do. Hebrews 8 and 6, it says this, um, but as it is, Christ has acquired a priestly ministry, which is more excellent than the old Levitical priestly ministry, for he is the mediator, arbiter of a better covenant, uniting God and man, which has been enacted and rests on better promises. So this is the better promises ministry. We have moved from Moses to Christ. And this is the heart of the conservatory. If you're ever wondering why we teach the way we do, we're trying to reveal Christ in us, the hope of glory. And we want to be sure that we can move from Moses. Doesn't mean Moses is irrelevant. Doesn't mean the old covenant isn't powerful. It is. It's just that we learned from Hebrews 8 that if that covenant was sufficient, there would not have been a need for a better one. So we're uncovering the things that are of better weight, of better authority, of better truth, of better progress, of better maturity than what the old covenant had to offer. So we live under the motto of Christ over Moses. Christ over your favorite superstar minister, Christ over your favorite person, Christ over your favorite man, whatever it is that is elevated in your life, we put Christ over it. So that is what we believe and that is what we teach. So the other thing, the other pillar, which is number three, is elevating Christ above men. You can actually download this whole thing inside the Scribal Conservatory Bible Study Group. In the featured section, it's under overview. I'm reading it right now. So what do we mean by elevating Christ above men? Hebrews 3, 1 through 6 says this profoundly. It says, therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus. Not Moses, not Esther, not Isaiah, not Jeremiah, not Paul, not Peter, not James, not John, not if it's like fix your eyes on Jesus. So if you always hear me say things to you, like how can we see this through the eyes of Christ for right now, for right now? So this is what we do. It says whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful over the one who appointed him 
just as Moses was faithful in all God's house, Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses. A perfect example of how we see this is back in the old covenant, we would hear things like suffer a witch not to live. We would hear things like um, scatter my enemies. You know, we would hear all of those things, but God says, let me give you a better covenant. So the better covenant through the eyes of Jesus would say, oh my goodness, Father, bless those who curse me. Bless those who wrongfully use me and abuse me. Lord, I wish above all things, you know, that, that God said, I wish above all things that no man should perish. So we go back and we say, yeah, there was a time to kill witches as, as according to and stone people and, you know, and do all of that. But today, Jesus said, listen, I've died for all of that. So that's what we mean. And so we have to begin to dig into this. So I hope this is making sense to you. I feel like every now and then I need to kind of provide an understanding and an explanation because it's so easy to get confused. You know, we got people stumping the devil's head. They, but the scripture tells us that, listen, he's under the feet, under our feet, and he's under the feet of Christ. He's been dethroned. So if we don't believe that, then we're not living our best life. We're just not, <laughs> you know, we're just not if we can't believe that. So we have to figure that out. The fourth and last thing that we believe is increasing understanding. Oh my goodness. Read Proverbs 2 in its entirety. I can only give you um, a few scriptures because it's so massive, but I love this. It says, my son, if you will receive my words, and treasure my commandments within you so that your ear is attentive to skillful and godly wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, meaning seeking it consistently and striving for it eagerly. Yes, if you cry out for insight and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek skillful and godly wisdom as you would silver and search for her as you would it in treasures, then you will understand the reverent fear of the Lord. That is worshiping him and regarding him as truly awesome and discover the knowledge of God for the Lord gives skillful and godly wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And this is the part. He stores away sound wisdom for the righteous for those who are in right standing with him. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, those of honorable character and moral courage. He guards the path of justice and preserves the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. So this is that really everything about me and everything about this conservatory, everything about the school of the scribe, everything about immersion is based on understanding. I mean, we've dug out the scribe to a level that that is ridiculous. And but we feel like we need to excavate is the term that just came to me. Just, you know, just dig, 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 dig out the truth about Jesus till it's no longer common. 
is no longer ordinary. How much can we talk about hearing God? It's time to move past hearing God to understanding the Lord, understanding intention, understanding purpose. What is the purpose? If I'm releasing a prophetic word, why? What is it accomplishing for the kingdom? What is eternal in that prophetic word that I am releasing right now? Because every prophecy comes from eternity if it's the spirit. And every prophetic word God speaks must return to that place. But we have to dig out understanding. And that's what, this, what the scribal conservatory is all about. So we conserve these truths because these four truths, in my view, are most rejected in the circus of, of the congregation we see today. People have forgotten the better way. They've forgotten that there is a new way of, of not of creating something new because you want to put some new title on, but there is something fresh and new that God is um, revealing about himself that is bound to his word because Jesus is the word. So that's where we are. And um, I just want to make sure we can hold on to that and that we will know what the Lord has put before us. So I want to thank you again for your patience with what we've been teaching. Um, I feel like today is the perfect, perfect time to intercept our conversation about Jesus and the devil by, uh, by looking at the sovereignty of God, the sovereignty of God. I'm not doing a 15 part series on the sovereignty of God. This is going to be a crash course. I'm going to say to you, um, what I would like for you to do is really go back to the 365 promises. And, I, you know, this should be have been a whole year of 365 promises for all of us. And those promises, they're posted and pinned to the Scribal Conservatory um, Bible Study Group. They're in there on Facebook. And if you recite these, the Lord is not leading me to recite them. Well, that's really sad. Because those 365 promises are always relevant, always on time. You don't have to be led to read them, but you do need discipline to read them because they're mind renewing. They're giving you guarantees, things God will do in us that is not predicated on us doing anything, but having faith and pursuing a righteous, clean, righteous life. So I, I hope that you will get a burden within yourselves to read those promises, study them out, look at them. I love 2 Timothy 1, 13 through 14, because it says this, this is Paul, <laughs> you know, as always writing to Timothy, he said, what you heard from me, keep as a pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was trusted to you, guarded with the help of Holy Spirit who lives in us. We have Holy Spirit living in us, but listen, it's a dual guarding. We can't just expect Holy Spirit to do it without our participation. Every time I'm sharing with you, um, I'm sharing with you, especially those that I know that God is just, I mean, he's just working on the inside of your mind and your heart, your situation and your circumstance is not an excuse um, to not live in this place. 
even if you're having mental trouble, even if you're having trouble in your home, you can still stand on this. Some of us, as I always say, have not sweat blood in Gethsemane as of yet. So we're hoping and praying that you will get to that point of decision where once it's all out of you, the frustration, the, the God, anger, he, he's forgotten me. Once that is dead, here we are believing that we can guard the good deposit. I can do my part in guarding my good deposit. How can I do that? Deal with your inner thought life. Number one, deal with your inner thought life. Deal with your inner thought life at all costs. Your health, your prosperity, your hope, your faith, your ability to, to stay chaste, you know, chaste, if that's the word people still use, is depending on your ability to deal with your thought life. The second thing is get out of golden corral in the realm of the spirit. Get out of golden corral. You don't need 15 different ethnic dishes to eat from. Choose just one today. Choose just one this week for a while until your thought life is together. This isn't control, this is wisdom. And you will find scripture after scripture in the new covenant where the apostles were encouraged to just sit and listen until their minds cleared up and they couldn't be pulled backwards because the teaching we're doing now is easy to get on a swing set, a seesaw or a basketball court with that teaching. You learn the right way today and the next day you're killing people. You know, so it was okay to say suffer which to live, you know, before the resurrection, because that's what they did. We know it was okay to stone adulterers. You know, we, we saw them do it, you know, in the sense of how law operated. But in the new covenant, there is a better way. And we can't learn that better way if we're not willing to change our old ways. A lot of the problem we face today within ourselves is due to being unteachable. Well, that's how I always did it. And you will be in that situation forever because you cannot change. There's nothing wrong with trying a new approach to God with God at the center. It's always okay. It's always okay to live a declarative lifestyle. I am a king. I am a priest. I am wealthy. I am prosperous. No matter what you see on the other side of it, it is possible to live like that and not waver back and forth in your mind. So this inner thought life is super, 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 super critical. It's the most critical thing you have. You must put on the mind of Christ every day. We must put on his mind. So I love this because this is just another scripture. And I think I'll share another scripture too with you every day about loyalty to God. You maintaining your thought life is all about being loyal in your head and in your heart to the Lord who has called you. You want to know how to cast down demons and devils? It begins here. It really does. It really does. It begins here for the son, for the one who believes. So um, 
Oh my goodness. So we're going to talk today a little bit about the um, sovereignty of God, because the Lord has just been speaking to me this week that if we understand his sovereignty, which isn't really a word that's in modern translations or the translations of our Bible today, because you know, we don't, I don't speak King James. And and so I just use the new King James, the amplified version, but I study when I'm studying, I have like 10, 12 different Bibles that I'm reading different um, translations or um, interpretations or paraphrases of the Bible through just so I can kind of figure out what's really being said, because you'll notice in some Bible translations, the meaning is so off-putting that it looks nothing like the other nine Bibles that you're studying. So it's safe to lay that Bible aside and say, I'm not using you. So I don't use the New Living Translation because that particular Bible does that to scripture. It changes the whole meaning of the scripture in certain places. That's different. So by using multiple Bibles, when you study, you can help alleviate a lot of that type of confusion in your life. But the sovereignty of God is really something that we need to understand as believers. Um, We need to know that the use of the word sovereignty without going into all of the Greek and and all of those things, it just means that um, the Lord is the source of all things and eternity. He's the source of all things eternal, Uh, everything in between. He is, everything begins and ends with him. He has limitless power. So when you think of a a sovereign God, you need to see God as having um, limitless power. That's, you know, he has limitless authority. He has, um, he has limitless decision-making power, limitless healing power. I mean, everything about who he is, is the alpha and the omega. We must grasp that. Oh my goodness. He's the master of all creation, the master of everything that exists. Everything. He has limitless knowledge, limitless wisdom. His will is perfect. There is no error in him, no mistake in him. If we understand this, it's the beginning of transforming how we pray in light of who we are in Christ Jesus. Um, The words that we hear often that describe him, you know, throughout my experience with the Lord, and some of you, I'm sure we were told he was omnipotent, which is all powerful. Now, if you know, there's been so many teachings we've done. I did a detailed teaching somewhere on these four things. I'm not sure whether it was in the school of the scribe or whether it's in the conservatory, but I know that it exists somewhere. Um, He's omnipotent, all powerful. That's our English word. And again, our English word, not our Spanish word or German word or, or whatever dialect the person speaks. This is just the word we use in English to describe how we see him. But, you know, he's all-powerful, omniscient, all-knowing, omnipresent, meaning everywhere all the time, omnificent, all-creative. And there are other omni-words that would apply. So we're not limited to those omni-words, but I like them because the first three 
were foundational to my faith. The fourth one I discovered along my journey of creativity, and I love it because being omnificent is who he is. Now listen, no devil, no demon, no agent, no imp, no realm of darkness can claim those four places of sovereignty. Oh my goodness. There is no being in heaven and on earth, no spirit, no man that holds those four things together in one place, but God. But God, we must believe that he is sovereign. He is sovereign. And if we read those 365 promises, I'll try to go real quick and just um, find them if I can. Let's see. This is the Bible study group. Um, they should be here somewhere. Um, 70 functions of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I think this is it. Um, yes, yes, yes. This is a free PDF. No, those are who I am in Christ scriptures. So, but they're here, they're in this group. I'm not gonna keep going back and forth and um, doing that because I don't want us to lose our um, spot of where we are, but they're here. Somewhere in this group, they're here. And I really, really um, want you to be able to um, find this. I wanna give you this other resource. Is this right here, it says the post um, apostolic church. This tells you about how we got the Bible. It's everything you need to know about how the Bible was originally translated from beginning to end. It's a series of really short YouTube videos, better than the ones I even got in seminary that talked about this. And you need to know because a lot of people have a lot of ideas about how the Bible came to be, but this lines up pretty much with everything in any seminary you can find regardless of whether it's Baptist or um, um, prophetic and apostolic. So I just wanna encourage you to embrace that resource if you're a serious Bible student. Um, yeah, so we're gonna just close that. I wanna get back here because we have to get to a place in our lives in which we are really understanding the sovereignty of God. For sons, his sovereignty is supposed to um, permeate every area of our lives. If I am sick, he is sovereign. If I'm struggling in my mind, my mental health, he is still sovereign. If I am um, hemorrhaging money from my bank account, he is still sovereign. You know, so those are earthbound things that happen. If I am growing in the faith, moving in the faith, he is still sovereign. If I have experienced loss and deep, deep grief, he is still sovereign. Somehow, not only do we have to make this a sure place in our hearts and in our minds, but we need to surround ourselves with people who believe he is sovereign. He is sovereign. Oh my goodness. We have to touch this place. And spiritual maturity is not just you knowing the word, understanding the word, giving advice, being called to ministry, having a gift. It's being so sure in your faith that you cannot be moved. That you cannot be moved. It's possible. 
because we saw the apostles live this way. We know it's true because we've seen Jesus's example as they were dying, those who died horribly. As they were dying, we saw them reach out to the sovereignty of God, to that it is well place. God is sovereign over our salvation, over our destiny, over our purpose, over our suffering, over our, he's even sovereign over our unbelief. And listen, this may sound weird, but he's sovereign over our disobedience. What does that mean? You can keep living however you want to live and God will not change his goodness. You are ultimately, I am ultimately, we are ultimately choosing our destiny by our choices. God doesn't reject us, but the more we enter that sin state, the farther apart we pull ourselves away from God, but he is yet sovereign. He does not change. He does not change. He is absolute on everything that he has established concerning us. I believe that our problem with the devil could be in part that we do not understand the sovereignty of God. Oh my goodness. I really, 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 really believe that. Huh. So Romans 8 is about living life in the spirit. There's no way we, we've taught on this. That's why it's so highlighted over here. Um, so, so many times, but I want to stop at, at verse 14. Well, no, I'm going to start at, I'm going to start at nine just to read this and we're going to stop. Um, probably right along in here, verse 19 and 20. But listen, it says, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you, I need to do a teaching on what it means to live in the spirit because sometimes people think it's acting spiritual, being deep, and it has nothing to do with either of those things. But um, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even your body is subject to death because of sin. The spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you and who raised Christ from the dead will also give you give life to your mortal bodies because of the spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live by the spirit, you put to death the misdeeds of the body and you will live. And I love this because right now we can see this part of the passage in, in, in consideration of our thought life. So if we live and we exhort the word in us, which is Jesus, we exalt the, the promises in us with this Jesus, we move death out of the way, meaning unproductive thinking, unproductive behaviors, actual death, actual negative judgment. We move those things out of the way so that we can live. But here's verse 14. For those who are led by the spirit of God 
are the children of God. The spirit does not receive. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship and by him we cry, Abba. So our adoption to sonship is based on our ability to live in the spirit realm. And that is living in the thoughts that God has for us, living in the hope that God has for us, living in the love that God has for us. And this is his sovereignty. Let's look at verse 28 here. This is so good. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. If you are here right now, if you have answered that call, if you have stood before him, this is not the fight right now over whether predestination is this or that. If you're sitting here right now, then you already have the answer to that. You know that you are predestined. If you're here right now, you know that this is true concerning you. And you know that this is a sovereign statement. What is the sovereign statement? He called you. He chose you. He justified you. He glorified you. Oh my goodness. Somewhere in this, we have to see that he has settled our struggle with the devil. Can you guys see this? I just want to know that you can see it because we pray like we can't. Are you following me? Get the devil off my back. Let me go knock the devil in the head. I mean, my God. How long are we going to stay in that place? I am victorious. I will pay no attention to this situation, but I will rise above it. I know what I see, but I know who God is. There's so much that has been dealt with. If we can see through the eyes of Christ, there's no passivity in here. There's no ignoring and not dealing with things in this conversation. My goodness, if you're sick, get the help you need. But in the midst of the sickness, God is sovereign over my situation. I shall live and not die. I'm believing God for every resource he has afforded me to overcome this situation. I live in the wisdom of God and the knowledge of God. We're coming into understanding sovereignty. We didn't just pray for water when you're thirsty. Sometimes you have to go and get water. Well, the fountain is dry, keep looking. Well, it's really dry and I'm really thirsty. Keep going. God provides. I don't care how dry the fountain is. I know that God provides. 
and you make that last stretch and then you turn on the faucet and it is running with water because God provides. Sometimes the problem with us understanding his sovereignty is simply that he's not doing it when, he, when we want him to <laughs> or at the time that we feel that he needs it. He needs to act. God, you're too slow. Be honest about that because that's really what we're saying sometimes. He knows it. I was talking to someone once and they were like, well, I don't want to put that in the book because it's not God. Well, he's not reading the book. He's reading your heart. So you need to kind of clear up that in your head. He read your heart before you ever put it in the book. Right? <laughs> I mean... Just common sense. So you putting it in the book is of no consequence unless you're planning on publishing it. Putting it on a piece of paper is just putting it on a piece of paper. But God read it before it ever came out of you. Oh my goodness. I promise there's a path. There's a path here. And I want us to just see you know, this next sentence, and those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? Oh, my goodness. What you going to say now? God's not enough? What you going to do? Throw some more salt under the bed? What you going to do? Put some more oil on the, on the doorpost? What you going to do? fast for 60 days? I mean, is it going to change the decision he's already made by faith to rescue and save you? Or do we just need a bunch of things to do to make us feel as if we are holding on until he does it? Can his word be enough? Can a sure word be enough for you? Or do you need all the antics in between? Now, I'm not saying the Lord does not tell us to do certain things. Some of you know the testimony about my grandbaby. I'll never forget it. That baby was on her deathbed and the Lord was like, I need you to just go and be in the city. I need you to be there. I need you to lay hands on this child. I need you. Yes, he does. And he will. But the point of what I'm sharing with you with this is God can do it in a word if we will believe. If our faith is in that place. Sometimes I'm going to say this by the spirit. Sometimes I believe God meets us and are going and doing based on where we are in our faith. Somebody will understand that. So if my faith had to carry me five states away next to the hospital bed, you follow what I mean? That's where I was. And so I needed to do that. 
but I also needed to be a comfort to my children at that time that were going through my daughter and my son in love. So that was twofold reasons why I needed to be there. But if it was enough for God to send his word while I'm five states back, that could have been enough too, right? I'm going slow, I'm in teacher mode today, but I really want us to get this because if we understand God is sovereign, there's really no need in certain circumstances to go to the extremes that we see people do with darkness. All God did was bring light in darkness. Let there be. Oh my gosh. All that void and all that darkness. And he just said, let there be. Light. And when we begin to look at the life of God and we've taught on that, the series is up on YouTube if you want to check it out we will see that his approach in the time of Jesus was literally a let there be approach. Instead of him micromanaging and sending wars and causing pestilences and all of the things he did in the old covenant, he rested from all of that hard work and all that micromanagement. And he said, listen, this is the pattern. I have a better way of doing this. I know I did it like this before, but I have a better way now. I'm going to give all of this to my son. He's going to go to the cross. He's going to, well, he's going to go to the cross. He's going to shed blood. He's going to be resurrected. And he's going to carry everything for those who were and those who are, everything that is to come. And all I need you to do is line up with what he has said. It was a simple plan that, unfortunately, the hands of men have complicated. So much when all we need to do is learn to believe God, resist the enemy. Oh my goodness. So here's another one. Hmm. I'm going to read from verse three. This is another letter from Ephesians one. Well, this is from Ephesians one. And we're going to, really the text is here, but I want you to look at this. It says, praise be to God, verse three, praise be to God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for the adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. And again, this is not a con. A, a, conversation about predestination right now because if we are here we're already in this number so we're speaking to people that he has already chosen in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of the glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Oh, there's that sovereignty that he lavished upon us, meaning excessively, with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put in effect when the times reach their fulfillment, the times reach their mature place, their fullness, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. 
not Moses, under Christ, under Christ, under Christ, under Christ, under Christ. In him, we are also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In order to believe that God is sovereign, we have to believe that everything that is happening in the earth right now, the darkness, the just the horrific things that are happening, the, the indoctrination of our children into all manner of perversion, the violence, the wars, the evil. Oh my goodness, we have to believe that in the midst of all that we see in the earth, that purpose is coming out of it despite humanity. Listen, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ, this is the first group of believers, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit. And this is where we get the sealed from. And if you've heard any of our teachings on the, on the Ephesians 4.11 ministry gifts, if everything begins with the seal of promise. Everything begins with the seal of promise and we call ourselves the sealed. We're conservators, but we are also the sealed. Who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. In other words, you know, we talked about this before and we are already inheritors and there are people that will never see their inheritance. They'll never see it. It's just, it's, it is because they'll never choose Christ. It's not because Christ is just get out of my way it's because they are not choosing him remember the lord doesn't want anyone to perish but he also doesn't force people's will he wants to be chosen so here we are that's what we teach in the conservatory here we are in this place of realizing god's sovereignty by believing that i am marked in him with the seal I am marked in him with the seal. I just, I got to ask you, do you believe this? Do you, I believe you're marked with the seal. Dominique, T, Brenda, Chanel, Chiquita, Darlene, Deb, Deborah, who, who I believe you're marked and you're sealed. And every day our road to maturity is one that convinces us of the seal. You know, I, I read a book one time about this missionary and the, mis the missionary's message only extended to the gospel of salvation, which is the, the gospel. The gospel is the message of salvation. That's what the gospel is. It's, you know, Christ born of the Virgin Mary. It, it's, it's that he... Um, 
took on the sins of the world, that he crucified, died. That is the gospel. Everything else is just the increase. It's the meat of the word. But I, I read this, this book and I've read a lot of them, but I read this book about um, this missionary and that's all this missionary did was teach the gospel, nothing else, you know, which is what the apostles did. They weren't concerned about all this stuff that people are concerned about. And the scripture tells us profoundly, it says the things that man um, elevate, God abhors. He's just not interested, but we forget that. He's only interested in what is eternal. And the gospel message is all about eternity. It's all about what is eternal. And I love that because at the end of the day, when we're really teaching the word, when we're really prophesying, it's pointing people toward eternity, not their death and destruction, not doom and gloom. But hey, who am I to know the mind of Christ, you know, and, and what he teaches? But I believe that that's what Christ gave us. He told us what would happen to people who did not follow him, but the 90% of his message was about eternity and the path there. It was about the way. So for you, I want you to be about the way, the way Christ taught it, <laughs> you know, about Christ's way, not the popular doctrine of our times way, because we're so far from that today but the sovereignty of god is all in this it's all in this he sealed us in a promise and that promise is holy spirit either he did this or he did not do you believe you're sealed in the spirit because that's a, that's that's sovereignty if you believe that you do believe in his sovereignty we just got to clear out all the dross, all the other stuff that's been scraped up in there and, uh, you know, told us we got to believe this. I got to hunt out a water devil. I got to hunt out the lust spirit. I, I mean, my God, is there's no end to that stuff. You'll be all day looking for darkness because darkness is a bottomless pit. It is in a according to the scriptures. But in the heavenly realm, there's a destination and there's an alpha and there's an omega. Oh my God. I hope this is resonating and making sense to some of you, especially those that have been building. Last two scriptures, last two scriptures. Oh my goodness. So probably the most important. Now we're in Colossians 1. Uh, early on, I've been telling you guys for years, read the book of Colossians and also read Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and then the book of John. Those books will, the, the way they're written and what they reveal about Jesus is just profound. Jesus Christ, you know, is just amazing. So here we are in Colossians 1, and I'm just going to get let you know he's, um, Paul and Timothy are together and they're ministering to the people at Coloss. And he's telling them, you know, he's thankful for them. And, but he gets to this place here where he's giving them, listen, the gospel message. <laughs> he says in verse nine, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, 
We will not stop praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened. So he plays the, prays his prayer over him. But look at verse 15. He says, I'm reading from the Amplified Version on my right. It says, the son is the image of the invisible God, firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created, sovereignty, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have, be cre have been created through him and for him. Now, I have a question that I'm going to ask you in relations to that. Where are you positioned right now in the spirit realm? We're almost done. Just answer that for me. Where are you positioned in the spirit realm right now? Not a trick question. Not one that I'm going to offer a lot of commentary on. But I don't want to move forward until a few people answer that. What does the scripture tell us? Where are we positioned right now as sons? Don't all speak at once. There you go. Thank you, Brenda. In Christ seated at the right hand of the Father. Oh, my goodness. I'm rooted and grounded. We are in Christ. In Christ. In Christ. This is... Yes, the son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and in earth, uh, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him, all things hold together. You are being held together, your mind, is being held together in Christ. Your family is being held together in Christ. Your hurt, your pain, your suffering is being held together in Christ because this is the supremacy of God. If I am living in the supremacy of God according to Christ's design, why am I living like I am still in the world? Why am I praying as if I am not protected? Why am I hunting devils that are already overcome? Why am I? We have to begin to look at this thing differently and stop getting angry with people because they're not involved in deliverance ministry the way people have been doing it over this last. 40, 40, 50 years. Oh my goodness. We believe in casting out devils. We've, we've covered that. We know about the wiles and the evils of darkness. We, we understand principalities and powers and rules of dark and um, principalities and powers of spiritual wickedness and rulers of darkness in high places. We understand that. But what we miss is how Christ warred, wars and versus what we're called 
to do, being like him. So we talk about likeness and image. Now we're talking about living in him. We can't live in him when it's convenient and live outside of him when it's inconvenient. Double-mindedness is, is a broad topic. For God was pleased to have all his fullness, fullness dwell in Christ. If I'm in Christ, I'm in the fullness. I'm in the full measure. And every day I'm trying to get more of that full measure. Every day I'm getting stronger. Every day I'm growing in greater maturity. Every day I'm willing to learn something different. Every day I'm trying to come higher. Every day I want to see myself look in the mirror and say, my God, that storm was hard, but I'm above it now. I'm above, I used to fight you. I used to cuss you out when I saw you on the street, but I'm above it now. When I see you, I weep because I love you even though you hate me. I'm not running in fear of what's happening. I know that diagnosis came, but I don't receive it because I'm above it now. Oh my goodness. I know what's happening in my family. I know my marriage is falling apart, but I know God is sovereign. I'm above it now. And I'm going to declare God's will over that situation because whether he does it or not, I'm above it now. Because he's sovereign. And I'm going to fight to approach this like Christ. Not like a child running in fear that the devil is on my back. Oh my gosh. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. I want you to see that because we need to understand that our thoughts and our inner thought life is critical to how we see the devil and his, quote, power, because the devil is not sovereign. There is no sovereign. Any authority that he has over this world is small in comparison to the authority we have been given in Christ. Oh, my goodness. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. This is my biggest argument against the throne, the, the whatever those teachings are, whether you go, you got to go to the throne room of God. This is my biggest argument against it. Because I am free from accusation. Sorry if I touched an idol. This is where Moses, Christ over Moses comes in. Christ, I see people believe people, but they won't believe God. And I have a problem with that. This is elevating Christ above men. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free 
from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out on the gospel, hold on to your foundations. Oh my God. This is the gospel that you heard. What? This is the gospel that you heard. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant, which I, Teresa, have become a servant, which I, whoever you are, have become a servant. Oh my God, there's something about Christ over Moses. Oh, God is sovereign. God is sovereign. Whatever happened in somebody's twisted dream, a bad little piece of doctrine got in there, intent is, is good, the heart is good, the love for God is good, but some stuff just ain't right. And it's okay, we all make mistakes. We've all walked wrong in some of our thinking, but when we know better, we correct it and we say, that's where I was at that time. That's what I used to believe. But I don't believe that anymore because I have grown. I've moved into more fullness. I'm chiseling away the old man day by day. I'm daily learning. I'm daily growing. I don't have to hold on to it because it sounds right and all my friends like it. I can believe something different. Or I can hold on to it. God's going to still be with you even if you hold on to what's wrong. He's with a lot of us with bad doctrine because he knows our heart is pure. He knows our desire for him is strong. And as long as that light of life does not leave us, he is still bringing us along in how we were because he's a humble God and he's a gracious God. Oh, I hope somebody is getting free. Oh, wow, wow, wow. Last but not least, consider it a pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you, this is James 1, 2 through 4 that I'm reading right now. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith proves perseverance. In other words, the idea here is that the more trouble you face, the more you rise above and the more you press into the, tr the truth of God. So let truth, let perseverance, let your desire and longing to know God and to know what it is that he wants, to know his son's new covenant, to know that 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 perseverance finishes work so that you may be mature, that you may be full and complete, not lacking anything. We have our fullness in Christ, but we grow in understanding that fullness every day. And I choose to know a fullness that prevents me from striving and fighting and struggling. If my faith 
can go to the faith of the centurion. If my faith can move into two words, be healed. If my faith can say, I know God is going to do that. Why would I choose all the extra stuff instead of that? Why? Why would I want to get all the oils and bottles and washcloths and hoops and jumps and loops and boops? And why would I want to do all of that if my faith is in a place in my life where I can say it is done? I want to be like Jesus on that day when he was caught up in the wilderness. And he stood before all manner of evil and darkness. And all he said was, it is written. The king of kings and the Lord of lords didn't do all the stuff that we do. Why? Why didn't it take all that for Jesus? And don't tell me simply because it was Jesus. Because the scripture tells us that he endured everything known to man in the area of sin without sinning. In other words, he experienced it as if he was us. And if he could, could get there in, in the garden of Gethsemane and he could say, Lord, if you can take this cup from me, please do. He didn't war with the devil. He warred with God. But it is well. I want to believe you that it is well. I want to be our war is with the truth of the word. Can you see it? Can you see it? We wrestle not against flesh and blood. So if I'm in warfare, oh my God, my child, my grandbaby, Lord, I, I want to believe for her. I want to believe God. I'm over here fighting devils and, and I, I saw this spirit. And I said, if you saw that, you say, but my God is sovereign. I know the promise that he has. You have no power here in the name of Jesus. Be still. Listen, our maturity is to get there. Our, our journey is to get into that place when all we need is a word. Not a strategy that is 50 pages long. A book that is a thousand pages deep, bigger than the Bible about one issue. Strange, isn't it? James 1 and 12, it says this, blessed is the one who perseveres on the trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. I'm looking for a crown of life. I'm not looking for devils. 
am looking for my posture in Jesus. Cast it out and move on. How can I get that level of anointing on my life? Because it's available to all of us. Let the elders lay hand on the sick and they should be healed. I believe that. It ain't going to take 18 hours for you to get a devil out of me. If Legion can walk up to Jesus and say, help me, surely somebody in the church can say, be healed. Something is wrong. And the question that is before us today is, are we willing to receive that next level, that next place? Are we willing to come out of the dark ages? Are we willing? Well, it just don't feel right. Well, that's because that familiar spirit has had a stronghold on you and you've been walking around with all the spirits from all the churches you've been to and now they have clouded you against the anointed one to a point where we can't even receive the promises he has given us as sons living in Christ, living in him, oh my gosh, with an unutilized Holy Spirit. Oh my God, in him we live, we move, and we have our being. Father, I just thank you that the teaching today is understood with the um, heart and mind that you presented it. Father, I thank you that we were clear concerning our intentions and our purpose today. And Father, we cast down any thought, any perverted idea, any level of confused confusion that would dare twist this into something that it is not. Father, I thank you for where you have each one of us in our maturation process. I thank you, Father, for where you hold us in the palm of your hand. I thank you, Father, that you're able to meet us through um, your divine wisdom and insight. I thank you, Father, that we have the different things built up in the midst of our lives, God, that allow us to be able to have a foundation within the conservatory on which to bring this part of our conversation to the table. Father, we're just asking you today to lead us and guide us. Help us understand your sovereignty. And help us understand our place inside Christ in the midst of that sovereignty. Cause us to understand your life, God, and the life of Jesus. Have us walk in and out of that in new ways. Father, we pray over our minds in the name of Jesus. And we just declare the mind of Christ. That we consider the world like Christ considered the world. Jesus Christ considered the world. We'll use that encompassing past and present um, a demonstration and example that he gave. And Father, we just ask that we are daily, that you bless us in our daily effort to be made whole, that you cause us to see trials, Lord, as not another just, oh, I'm just under attack. I'm just, Lord, oh my God, we live in a fallen world. Help us have the good sense to know what is happening around us. All of us have been appointed a time to physically die. But we've all been given eternity. 
in Christ. Let us live each day as if it's our last, God. Let us take our minds to the high place in whatever capacity we can today without no condemnation. Father, I just pray over those right now who feel as if they cannot move because of mental struggle, that they cannot move because of circumstances and situations. Let them know, Father, that you are ministering to them exactly where they are, and you expect from us nothing more than what we can give. But every moment we strive to the high place, every moment, okay, this isn't right. But in this moment, I'm turning my mind around. I'm going to read these promises. I might not be able to read, but three of them, my mind, oh, my heart, my thoughts, my anger. I'm just going to read a few more scriptures. Lord, I'm going to redirect myself. And we just ask Holy Spirit, we give you permission on the inside of us to come alive, that we will not suppress you, that we will not shut you down on the inside with our inner thought life with our confusion, with the voices of the of, of Golden Corral. We decree and declare, Lord God, that we're going to be clear, even if we have to shut down everybody but the Bible for a season. But we thank you for understanding that, Lord, we need community to keep us on the path of maturity. You ordained it. Lord, have your way on the inside of us in Jesus name. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you all for um, 